Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to the resurrection of your church. This is Kent Hunter, and these installments are around the resurrection of the church. God is in the resurrection business, and many churches today are in great need of a resurrection. This is a seven-part series of installments on the resurrection of the church. In the first one, we're going to look at the subject of rummage sales and clutter. Then we'll take a look at, in the second installment, the decline cycle of churches. And in the third installment, we'll look at the reality that the church clock is ticking, but ironically, the time is ripe. In the fourth installment, we'll look at past breakthroughs of Christianity, and uh, that will give us great hope. In the fifth installment, we'll look at major roadblocks to breakthroughs. And in the sixth installment, we'll look at how God reignites Christianity. And we'll wrap this up in the seventh installment, talking very specifically and in practical terms about elements of renewal for your church. So let's get started. It is uh, rummage sale time to deal with the clutter. I think about the uh, world that I've been able to travel. I feel so blessed to be in so many places of the world, in a lot of third world countries, places where people have literally next to nothing. I can remember being in a little hut in a village of Fijian natives on the island of Fiji, and uh, the couple invited us in, and we sat there on the floor, no furniture, just a thatched roof hut on stilts. They uh, had a mouse crawling around uh, some of the parts of the hut. Didn't seem to bother them. Apparently, they're used to that. And they offered us one of the most precious things they had to share, to eat, which was a cold potato. And uh, for them, that might have been one of the most valuable sacrifices they would make for a while. I'm thinking about just one more example in the Kalahari Desert in Botswana in Southern Africa, really out in the middle of nowhere, this little village and uh, American missionaries living there, also in a hut, no air conditioning in one of the hottest places ever. And um, they took us out back and showed us the graves of two of their children that died of diseases that don't even exist had they not left North America to follow God's calling. No running water, just uh, the most meager circumstances of people that came from a place like North America with all of our clutter, all of our stuff, and went to serve God in a place with a very, very meager kind of lifestyle. What about you? Have you ever come to a point in your life where you needed to have some kind of a rummage sale? Maybe it was your attic. Maybe it was your garage, you know, uh, things piled up so much in the garage that you couldn't get your car in, or maybe in the attic where you said, you know, this is a fire trap, and we never look at this stuff, we never use this stuff, we're never going to use this stuff, and you start thinking about getting rid of it. It just becomes clutter. At one time, it might have been valuable, but it isn't anymore. That's what stuff is all about. It accumulates, and sometimes it isn't useful anymore. And so when that stuff is in the way, it's time for perhaps a rummage sale. 
You know, it's interesting to me that in North America, we have this phenomenon of storage facilities where people store all their clutter in some locked facility because they don't have any room for it with all the clutter that's in their houses. Maybe we ought to think about a rummage sale a little more often, you think? Many churches have rummage sales. Maybe your church does. Maybe you know of a church in your community that has the annual rummage sale where they get together all the hard workers of the church to sell all the junk they don't care about anymore. And um, they attract bargain hunters who show up at the church uh, not to worship, not to meet Jesus, but to get a bargain. How does that square with the purpose of a church? What does that say to people that perhaps are far from God, know little about Jesus, that the church is all about selling their leftover junk, their used clothing, stuff that's not useful anymore, to make money? For what? To keep the institution going? One of the things I discovered is that you meddle with the sacred annual rummage sale and you can be in big trouble really quick. I remember once I was consulting a church in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, a very wealthy area of the United States. And here was this church, I'll save them by not mentioning their name, that has an annual rummage sale. I asked people when I interviewed people in the consultation process, hey, what is your church known for? And uh, every person I asked said our church is known throughout the whole area for one of the greatest annual rummage sales around. Well, I suppose it was pretty good. Those people were pretty wealthy, and so there was some pretty quality junk for sale there that no one else wants anymore. I uh, was trying to teach a little mission and ministry, a little biblical theology to the people of this church, and I naively recommended, among my many recommendations for the consultation, I recommended uh, that they take the names and addresses of people who come to the rummage sale, and that sometime after the rummage sale, when they know exactly what each person paid, and they have their name and address, then they send them a check and talk about God's free gift of love in Jesus Christ. Well, <laughs> they, they never did it. <laughs> and actually, I wasn't too surprised. And therein is one of the dilemmas that churches are faced with today. It's not really about rummage sales. It's about clutter. We kind of have to look to have a, a rummage sale for our churches that includes a little bit more than the stuff that we have in our attics, our garages, our closets that don't mean anything to us anymore. What I'm talking about is the church needs a rummage sale to remove the clutter of activities that have accumulated over the years into the church. Uh, these are worn-out forms styles that don't communicate in our world today, all sorts of activities that do not lead to the goal of the Great Commission, our mission statement as Christians and as churches to make disciples of all people, not just the rummage sale, but all the things, the worn out music, the worn out style, the worn out building, the worn out bathrooms, the worn out teaching style, the worn out dress codes, 
It goes on and on, all roadblocks to keep people from Jesus and to keep the church from effectiveness in reaching people for Jesus. And so what happens is we get all these activities that don't really connect with the mission of the church, the mission of Jesus, the reason he came to this world, the reason he died, the reason he rose again, and the mission he gave his disciples, all of us. Don't connect at all. All of these activities, what do they do? They wear people out. So we got churches with all kinds of burned out people doing things that really don't matter. Let me tell you how it happens. Somebody comes to the pastor and says, I've got a good idea, something we ought to do here at the church. And it may be a good thing. It just may not be a God thing. So they think it's a good thing. Let me tell you a little something about pastors. I know a lot about pastors. I've been one and I've worked with thousands. Pastors have a certain love for people and no tolerance for conflict. So I'll tell you what's going to happen is you come up with some good idea that's not a God idea that won't contribute to the ideal mission of the church. No pastor's going to turn you down. They're going to say, well, to avoid conflict, they say that to themselves. They say to you, yeah, that, uh, that sounds like a good idea. As long as it doesn't cost the budget money, which it often ends up doing anyway, uh, they acquiesce to another new pile of clutter that wears people out, but does not reach people for Jesus Christ, does not grow people in discipleship, does not help people on the road to heaven, does not equip people to reach others to be on that same road. It all goes back to what's the number one reason for a church? What's the number one mission that God has given to us? I'm afraid that a lot of churches that we've seen by the thousands are like a football team where every player has the wrong assignment. You imagine what chaos that would be. That kind of a worst case scenario where every player has forgotten what the number one purpose is for being on the field, they're not gonna win the game. Absolutely impossible. And when you put that metaphor into the church, I don't mean to be unkind, but we're not gonna win the world. We're not gonna win our neighbors. And that's why we're losing ground seriously in many places around the world, especially in the United States, in North America. Let's focus for a minute on the number one reason the church exists. To say it in a simple way, the church exists to win others to Jesus Christ. And by doing that, to win the world. That's why Jesus told us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's why Jesus modeled that he would give his life that people could know eternity with God, with him. It is why Jesus gave the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations, actually better translated, all peoples, all people groups, all kinds of people. We might translate that into English. Go make disciples of all kinds of people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I've commanded you. And if you do teach them everything that Christ has commanded... They become disciples who can make disciples. And when that happens, the church goes from growth to explosion. And we sometimes call that revival. In our research for my book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, 
We uh, spent a number of years, one of the most massive research studies that I've ever heard of, among Christians and churches. Uh, we uh, used thousands, tens of thousands of surveys, anonymous surveys. People didn't have to put their name on it so we could get the truth. These surveys were people that are in church. We didn't survey any inactive people or people that can't read or write because of their age. We talked to people and used the survey among those who are adult, worshiping, active, somewhat active people in the church. Along with that, we researched 5,500 people by spending a half hour one-on-one -on -one confidential interview with each one. And among many other things that we learned that we put into the book, we learned that there's something very dramatic and sad that occurs when you ask people, what is the primary purpose of the church? And for the purposes of research, we gave them four answers, only two of which are plausible. The other two are just what we call fillers in research. Uh, and yet we always got a few responses for the fillers. The number one filler was the primary purpose of the church is to be the moral backbone of society. Now, Christianity does lead to a moral society, but that's not the primary purpose of the church. We actually get five to six percent of the people say it's the moral backbone of society. Then the second one is teach people the golden rule. We get three or four percent of the people in every church almost that say, yeah, that's the primary purpose of the church. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's um, interesting. Talk about biblical illiteracy. And I don't mean that unkindly. It's actually very sad. Uh, then the third possible choice for people to check is the one that says that the primary purpose of the church is to make disciples for Jesus Christ. I hope and pray that as you're listening to this, you believe that sounds very familiar because that's the answer we're looking for. But number four was the answer that we got the most responses in every single church. And that answer is that the primary purpose of the church is not those other things, including not to make disciples for Jesus Christ. But the primary purpose of the church is, number four, to provide a place of fellowship to share God's love with one another. And the response to that averages in the high 50 percentile, somewhere averaging about 57 percent for almost every church. There are a few uh, outliers, exceptions that get it right, but not many. And even in those churches, the percentage is more like maybe 30 percent for the Great Commission and maybe 40% to provide a place of fellowship to share God's love with one another. And when the focus is on each other, guess what? We're not a mission. The church becomes a country club. Again, I mean no malice. And I do get fired up about this because these are great people. They love Jesus. In all likelihood, they're all going to heaven. That's not the issue. They are heavenly-minded. They have great fellowship. But for the kingdom purposes, their neighbors, their community, our world, the mission, they just don't get it. And that might include you.
And if so, I bring that up, not to be offensive, but to get your wheels turning. Because as we explore in the following six installments, the situation of the Christian church, which is declining rapidly in America, and there are many of us who believe that has a direct impact on many of the social and societal ills that we face in our nation. You have to remember the Roman Empire wasn't conquered by another army. Nobody could beat the Roman Empire. It died from moral dry rot on the inside, just like every civilization in history that has come and gone. They did it to themselves. And the church is God's gift to every society, to every neighborhood, to every community, to every person, to show them a better way, to give them eternal direction that has many implications for everyday life. So this is the dilemma that we have in the church. We have well over half of the people in most churches that have no clue what the primary purpose defined by Jesus, what the primary purpose of his church is supposed to be. In the last century, there was an incredibly intelligent and wonderful teacher, author, management, and leadership guru by the name of Peter Drucker, one of my favorite authors and teachers. Peter Drucker once said, if you forget what business you're in, you're about to go out of business. And so what does our research show? Well, I wish it was as simple as this one issue of not knowing what business you're in. That's a big one, and that should be a concern to every Christian, every church, every church leader. But there are others as well, and we'll look at those in the coming installments. There are a lot of things that need a rummage sale. We need to cast off those things that don't work and actually inhibit the mission and the future of our churches. About ready to go out of business, as Peter Drucker said, when you don't know your mission, your purpose. Now, there are also half the people in the church that are burned out on busyness. They are running around doing good things, but not the God things that make a difference. They're not bad things. There are a lot of good things that churches do that don't reach people to consider Jesus. But these people are busy accomplishing things that could be accomplished by people with no faith. They could be accomplished by Muslims. They could be accomplished by secular people that are atheists but have a heart for people. The only unique thing that churches have is this pathway to better life, God's way, a pathway that leads to eternity. So as we think about the clutter and we think about the purpose, these two issues emerge into a platform for us to discuss some other issues about the church in our coming installments. So as we have looked at this, this rummage sale and clutter that includes a lack of purpose. In our second installment, we will take a look at the decline cycle of churches. You'll be able to 
look at your church and you'll be able to diagnose like we as consultants of churches do. You'll be able to diagnose a little bit about your church, where you are in the cycle. Hopefully you're in a growing church. That will reinforce and encourage you. Maybe you're in a declining church and that will get your attention. Until next time, we'll take another look at the church and ultimately the resurrection of the church. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Also, if you'd like to learn more about this topic, please check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, in stores on September 12, 2017.